Chapter One of The Martyrs of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster. Life of Galileo. Chapter One. Peculiar interest attached to his life, his birth, his early studies his passion for mathematics his work on the hydrostatic balance appointed lecturer on mathematics at pisa his antipathy to the philosophy of aristotle his contentions with aristotelians chosen professor at mathematics in padua adopts the copernican system but still teaches the ptolemaic doctrine his alarming illness he observes the new star in 1604 his magnetical experiments the history of the life and the labors of galileo is pregnant with the peculiar interest to the general reader as well as to the philosopher his brilliant discoveries the man of science regards as his peculiar property the means by which they are made and the development of his intellectual character belong to the logician and to the philosopher but the triumphs and the reverses of his eventful life must be claimed for our common nature as a source of more than ordinary instruction the length and career with providence assigned to galileo was filled up throughout his rugged outline with events even of dramatic interest but though it was emblazoned with achievements of transcendent magnitude yet his noblest discoveries were the derision of his contemporaries and were even denounced as crimes which merited the vengeance of the heaven though he was the idol of his friends and the favoured companion of princes yet he afterwards became the victim of persecution and spent some of his last hours within the walls of a prison and though the almighty granted him as it were a new sight to discreet unknown worlds in the obscurity of space yet the eyes which were allowed to witness such wonders were themselves doomed to be closed in darkness such were the lights and shadows in which the history delineates the starry galileo with his woes but however powerful be their contrasts they are not unusual in their proportions the balance which has been struck between his days of good and evil is that which regulates the lot of men whether we study it in the despotic sway of the autocrat in the peaceful enquiries of the philosopher or the humbler toils of ordinary life galileo galilei was born at pisa on the fifteenth of february fifteen sixty four and was the eldest of the family of three sons and three daughters under the name bonaiuti his noble ancestors had filled the high offices at florence but about the middle of the fourteenth century they seem to have abandoned this surname for that of galileo vincenzo galilei our author's father was himself a philosopher of no mean powers and though his talent seemed to have been exercised only in the composition of treatises on the theory and practice of music yet he appears to have anticipated even his son in a just estimate of the philosophy of the age and in a distinct perception of the true method of investigating truth the early years of galileo were like those of almost all great experimental philosophers spent in the construction of instruments and pieces of machinery which were calculated chiefly to amuse himself and his schoolfellows this employment of his hands however did not interfere with his regular studies and though from the straitened circumstances of his father he was educated under considerable disadvantages 
yet he acquired the elements of classical literature and was initiated into all the learnings of the times music drawing and painting were the occupations of his leisure hours and such was his proficiency in these arts that he was reckoned a skilful performer on several musical instruments especially the lute and his knowledge of pictures was held in great esteem by some of the best artists of his day galileo seems to have been desirous of following the profession of a painter but his father had observed decided indications of early genius and though by no means able to afford it he resolved to send him to the university to pursue the study of medicine he accordingly enrolled himself as a scholar in arts at the university of pisa on the fifth of november fifteen eighty one and pursued his medical studies under the celebrated botanist andrew casalipinus who filled the chair of medicine from fifteen sixty seven to fifteen ninety two in order to study the principles of music and drawing galileo found it necessary to acquire some knowledge of geometry his father seems to have foreseen the consequences of following this new pursuit and though he did not prohibit him from reading the euclid under ostilo Ricci, one of the professors at pisa yet he watched his progress with utmost jealousy and had resolved that it should not interfere with his medical studies the demonstrations however of the greek mathematician had too many charms for the ardent mind of galileo his whole attention was engrossed in the new truths which burst upon his understanding and after many fruitless attempts to check his ardour and direct his thoughts to professional objects his father was obliged to surrender his paternal control and allow the fullest scope to the genius of his son from the elementary works of geometry galileo passed to the writings of archimedes and while he was studying the hydrostatical treatise of the syracusan philosopher he wrote his essay on the hydrostatical balance in which he describes the construction of the instrument and the method by which archimedes detected the fraud committed by the jeweller in the composition of hiero's crown the work gained for its author the esteem of guido obaldi who had distinguished himself by his mechanical and mathematical acquirements and who engaged his young friend to investigate the subject of the centre of gravity in solid bodies the treatise on this subject which galileo presented to his patron proved the source of his future success in life though the cardinal del monte the brother-in-law of ubaldi the reigning duke of tuscany ferdinand de medici was made acquainted with the merits of our young philosopher and in fifteen eighty nine he was appointed lecturer on mathematics at pisa as the salary however attached to this office was only sixty crowns he was compelled to enlarge this inadequate income by additional occupations of private teaching and thus to enroach upon the leisure which he was anxious to devote to science with his moderate competency galileo commenced his philosophical career at the early age of eighteen when he had entered the university his innate antipathy to aristotelian philosophy began to display itself this feeling was strengthened by the earliest enquiries and upon his establishment at pisa he seems to have regarded the doctrines of aristotle as the intellectual prey which in his chase of glory he was destined to pursue nizzoli who flourished near the beginning of the sixteenth century and giordano bruno who was burned at rome in sixteen hundred led the way in this daring pursuit but it was reserved for galileo to track the tarsian boar through its native thickets and at risk of his own life to strangle it in its den with the resolution of submitting every opinion to test of experiment galileo's first inquiries at pisa were directed to the mechanical doctrines of aristotle their incorrectness and absurdity soon became apparent 
and with a zeal perhaps bordering on indiscretion he denounced them to his pupils with an ardour of manner and of expression proportioned to his own conviction of the truth the deduction of the long-established errors is apt to inspire the young philosopher with an exaltation which reason condemns the feeling of triumph is apt to clothe itself in the language of asperity and the abater of erroneous opinions is treated as a species of enemy to science like the soldier who fleshes his first spear in a battle the philosopher is apt to leave the stain of cruelty on his early achievements it is only from age and experience indeed that we can expect the discretion of valour whether it is called forth in controversy or in battle galileo seems to have waged his stern warfare against the followers of aristotle and such was the exasperation which was excited by his reiterated and successful attacks that he was assailed during the rest of his life with the degree of rancour which seldom originates in a mere difference of opinion forgetting that all knowledge is progressive and that the errors of one generation call forth the comments and are replaced by the discoveries of the next galileo did not anticipate that his own speculations and incompleted labours might one day provoke unmitigated censure and he therefore failed in making allowance for the prejudices and ignorances of his opponents he who enjoys the proud lot of taking a position in the advance of his age need not wonder that his less gifted contemporaries are left behind men are not necessarily obstinate because they cleave to deeply rooted and venerable errors nor are they absolutely dull when they are long in understanding and slow in embracing newly discovered truths it was one of the axioms of aristotelian mechanics that the heavier of two falling bodies should reach the ground sooner than the other and that their velocity should be proportional to their weights galileo attacked the arguments by which this opinion was supported and when he found his reasoning ineffectual he appealed to the direct experiment he maintained that all bodies should fall through the same height in the same time if they are not unequally retarded by the resistance of the air and though he performed the experiment with the most satisfactory results by letting the heavy bodies fall from the leaning tower of pisa yet the aristotelians who with their own eyes saw the unequal weight strike the ground at the same instant ascribed the effect to some unknown cause and preferred the decision of their master to that of the nature herself galileo could not brook his opposition to his discoveries nor could the aristotelians tolerate the rebukes of their young instructor the two parties were consequently marshalled in a hostile array when fortunately for both an event occurred which placed them beyond the reach of danger don giovanni de medici a natural son of cosmo had proposed a method of clearing out the harbour of leghorn galileo whose opinion was requested gave such an unfavourable report upon it that the disappointed inventor directed against him all the force of his malice it was an easy task to concentrate the malignity of his enemies at pisa and so effectually was this accomplished that galileo resolved to accept another professorship to which he had been previously invited the chair of mathematics in the university of padua having been vacant for five years the republic of venice had resolved to fill it up and on the recommendation of guido ubaldi galileo was appointed to it in fifteen ninety two for a period of six years previous to this event galileo had lost his father who died in fifteen ninety one at an advanced age as he was the eldest son the support of the family naturally devolved upon him and the sacred obligation must have increased his anxiety to better his circumstances and therefore added to his other inducements to quit pisa 
in september fifteen ninety two he removed to padua where he had a salary of only one hundred and eighty florins and where he was again obliged to add to his income by the labours of tuition notwithstanding this fruitful occupation of his time he appears to have found leisure of composing several of his works and completing various inventions which will be afterwards described his manuscripts were circulated privately among his friends and pupils but some of them strayed beyond the sacred limit and found their way into hands of persons who did not scruple to claim and publish as their own the discoveries and inventions which they contained it is not easy to ascertain the exact time when galileo became a convert to the doctrines of copernicus or the particular circumstance under which he had led to adopt them it is stated by gerard force that a public lecture at mostelin the instructor of kepler was the means of making galileo acquainted with the true system of the universe this assertion however is by no means probable and it was been ably shown by the latest biographer of galileo that in his dialogues of the copernican system our author gives the true account of his own conversion the passage is so interesting that we shall give it entire i cannot omit this opportunity of relating to you what happened to myself at the time when this opinion the copernican system began to be discussed i was then a very young man and had scarcely finished my courses of philosophy which other occupations obliged me to leave off when there arrived in this country from rostock a foreigner whose name i believe was christian Fosicius, a follower of copernicus this person delivered on this subject two or three lectures in a certain academy and to a crowded audience believing that several were attracted more of the novelty of the subject than by any other cause and being firmly persuaded that this opinion was a piece of solemn folly i was unwilling to be present upon interrogating however some of those who were there i found that they all made it a subject of merriment with the exception of one who assured me that it was not a thing wholly ridiculous as i considered this individual to be both prudent and circumspect i repented that i had not attended the lectures and whenever i meet any of the followers of copernicus i began to inquire if they had always been of the same opinion i found that there was not one of them who did not declare that he had long maintained the very opposite opinions and had not gone over to the new doctrines till he was driven by the force of argument i next examined them one by one to see if they were the masters of the arguments on the opposite side and such was the readiness of their answers that i was satisfied they had not taken up this opinion from the ignorance or vanity on the other hand when i interrogated the peripatetics and the ptolemaeans and out of curiosity i have interrogated not a few respecting their perusal of copernicus work i perceived that there were few who had seen the book and not one who understood it nor have i omitted to inquire among the followers of the peripatetic doctrines if any of them had ever stood on the opposite side and the result was there was not one considering then that nobody followed the copernican doctrine who had not previously held the contrary opinion and who was not well acquainted with the arguments of aristotle and ptolemy while on the other hand nobody followed the ptolemy and aristotle who had before adhered to copernicus and had gone over from him to the camp of aristotle weighing i say these things i began to believe that if any one who rejects an opinion which he was imbibed with his milk and which has been embraced by an infinite number shall take up an opinion held only by a few condemned by all schools and really regarded as a great paradox 
it cannot be doubted that he must have been induced not to say driven to embrace it by the most cogent arguments on this account i have become very curious to penetrate to the very bottom of the subject it appears on the testimony of galileo himself that he thought the ptolemaic system in the compliance with the popular feeling after he had convinced himself of the truth of the copernican doctrines in the treatise on the sphere indeed which bears his name and which must have been written soon after he went to padua and subsequently to fifteen ninety two the stability of the earth and the motion of the sun are supported by the very arguments which galileo afterwards ridiculed but we have no means of determining whether or not he had then adopted the true system of the universe although he might have taught the ptolemaic system in his lecture after he had convinced himself of its falsehood yet it is not likely that he would go so far as to publish to the world as true the very doctrines which he despised in a letter to kepler dated fifteen ninety seven he distinctly states that he had many years ago adopted the opinions of copernicus but that he had not yet dared to publish his arguments in favour of them and his refutation of the opposite opinions these facts would leave us to place galileo's conversion somewhere between fifteen ninety three and fifteen ninety seven although many years cannot be said to have elapsed between these two dates at this early period of galileo's life in fifteen ninety three he met with an accident which had nearly proved fatal a party at padua of which he was one were enjoying at an open window a current of air which was artificially cooled by a fall of water galileo unfortunately fell asleep under its influence and so powerful was its effect upon his robust constitution that he contracted a severe chronic disorder accompanied with acute pains in his body and loss of sleep and appetite which attacked him at intervals during the rest of his life others of the party suffered still more severely and perished by their own rashness galileo's reputation was now widely extended over europe the archduke ferdinand afterwards emperor of germany the landgrave of hesse and the princes of alsace and mantua honoured his lectures with their presence and the prince gustavus adolphus of sweden also received instructions from him in mathematics during his sojourn in italy when galileo had completed the first period of his engagement at padua he was re-elected for another six years with an increased salary of three hundred and twenty florins this liberal addition to his income is ascribed to fabroni to the malice of one of his enemies who informed the senate that galileo was living in illicit intercourse with marina gamba without inquiring into the truth of the accusation the senate is said to have replied that if he had a family to support he had more need of an increased salary it was more likely that the liberality of the republic had been called forth by the high reputation of their professor and the terms of their reply were intended only to rebuke the malignity of the informer the mode of expression would seem to indicate that one or more of galileo's children had been born previous to his re-election in fifteen ninety eight but as this is scarcely consistent with other facts we are disposed to doubt the authenticity of fabroni's anecdote the new star which attracted the notice of astronomers in sixteen o four excited the particular attention of galileo the observations which he made upon it and the speculations which they suggested formed the subject of three lectures the beginning of the first of which only has reached our times from the absence of the parallax he proved that the common hypothesis of its being a meteor was erroneous and that like the fixed stars it was situated far beyond the bounds of our own system 
the popularity of the subject attracted crowds to his lecture room and galileo had the boldness to reproach his hearers for taking so deep an interest in a temporary phenomenon while they overlooked the wonders of creation which were daily presented to their view in the year sixteen o six galileo was again appointed to the professorship of padua with an augmented stipend of five hundred and twenty florins his popularity had now risen so high that his audience could not be accommodated in his lecture room and even when he had assembled them in school of medicine which contained thousand persons he was frequently obliged to adjourn to the open air among the variety of pursuits which occupied his attention was the examination of the properties of lodestone in sixteen o seven he commenced his experiments but with the exception of the method of arming lodestones which according to the report of sir kenlam digby enabled them to carry twice as much weight as before he does not seem to have made any additions to our knowledge of magnetism he appears to have studied with care the admirable work of our countryman dr gilbert the magnet which was published in sixteen hundred and he recognized in the experiments and reasonings of the english philosopher the principles of that method of investigating truth which he had himself adopted gilbert died in sixteen o three in the sixty-third year of his age and probably never read the fine compliment which was paid to him by the italian philosopher i extremely praise admire and envy this author end of chapter 1 read by lambda